Hello, and welcome to City Herb Church this Easter Sunday. This morning, Pastor Peter will be bringing the last five points on why Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus. You may be seated. Great to have you in the house of God this morning. I want to make special welcome to visitors that are here with us. We've got people that have travelled up from now. We've got people that have travelled down from the Sunshine Coast. We have people as far away as Bar Scrub and visitors from all over. Put your hand up if you're from Bar's Scrub. What a great suburb name. I wonder how they came up with that name. How to call this suburb Bar's Scrub. Anyway, it's a great name. Fantastic. But great to have you in the house of uh, God this morning. I really just wanted to, uh, before we get into the sermon this morning, uh, wanted to really appreciate the effort that has gone into our Easter weekend. And I want to appreciate uh, Damo's team, uh, the worship team, and the, the, the events team have uh, just done a, a phenomenal job. Clearly in the whole idea that uh, Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus, I walked in on Friday or Thursday and I said to Damo, I think we're missing the point because the Christmas side looks a whole stack more appealing than the Easter side. And he said, well, the point is that it's very commercial, I see, but Jesus is all about the cross. So I thought that was a good answer, good comeback. He saved it. But I really do, uh, do appreciate uh, the events team, uh, even the, the, the detail that they went to in half, uh, you know, 50-50 on the, on the pulpit. Uh, and the, the, the worship team with the, the medley we just had, it was just absolutely fantastic. So well done, guys. Really appreciate that. Wanted to also just appreciate the, the admin team, uh, Sarah and, and uh, led by Beck. Uh, there's a whole stack of administration that goes on behind a service like this and getting all the flyers out and all the things that we did. And I just appreciate Sarah and Beck uh, for, for all that, which is, which is fantastic. So, yeah, it's good. Before we get on and preach this morning, I, I, uh, I just wanted to, it's, it's great to have the kids in church uh, this morning. It's, uh, it's great to have it as a family service. So let's put our hands together, welcome all the kids. We run an incredible kids' ministry in this church, and uh, we just wanted to play. We had played a clip last week just uh, promoing our, our kids' church, and I thought we'd, we'd uh, kick it off again this, today with, uh, with that uh, video as well. Uh, if you're visiting here and you have young kids, I think it's great to inject biblical teaching and values into our children, and that's what our, our, uh, our WAVES program does. It's not a, a babysitting service. It's a, it's a ministry, and uh, we're going to watch this video now, so thanks. Uh, Amanda. So the concept of Christmas Jesus being better than Easter Jesus really is around the whole idea that the world is, is a lot more comfortable with a baby born in a manger rather than a man brutalized, beaten, dying on a Roman execution tool. And so the world celebrates Christmas and celebrates Christmas well. And I was just testing, but thank you. Thank you for paying attention, that's awesome. It may not be the first, it won't be the last time, but we'll, we'll go with it, but thank you. That Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus, thank you. All right, keeping me on my toes, man. That's good, Jazz. But the world is a lot more comfortable with a baby born in a manger. 
And at Christmas time, we see all the carols by candlelight and we see, uh, you know, all the, 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 the Christmas lights and all the things that come along with that. But at Easter time, the world doesn't celebrate so much. Sure, we have the commercialization of Easter eggs and that sort of thing, but there's, there's, there's not, no real celebration from the world. Why? Because the world loves a baby. This is Simone. Simone is six weeks old. Oh, there we go. And I did notice we, we used a different baby on Good Friday, but I did notice that the baby quite didn't kind of stay. Manly, come up. Talk about clucky. So this was... This was Good Friday's baby. Okay, now let's let's pick the parents of the new newlywed. That uh, do you think she's getting the hint that we need grandkids? Rob just said, "Are you practicing to be grandkids?" <laughs> anyway, thank you. So this is this is Trinity, and this is Simone. Everybody say ah, because we all love a baby, don't we? We do. Fantastic. And the concept of Easter Jesus being better than Christmas Jesus. Did I get it right, Jazz? Yes. Uh, came out of a clip that we played a few weeks ago in church. And we're going to play it. This is out of a movie, Talladega Nights. Let's watch the screen. So over the next 25 minutes or so, we are going to look at the top 10 reasons why Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus. And we did the first five on Good Friday. And I wanted to, I'm just going to, if you weren't here on Good Friday, uh, I wanted to just run over those five points so you don't miss out. So here are the first five reasons why Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus. Number one, Christmas Jesus received gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. But Easter Jesus received gifts of sin, wickedness and unrighteousness. The Bible says that he took our sin and we got his righteousness. Number two, Christmas Jesus is around Caesar writing people's names in a book. A book of earthly life. It was a book about where you came from. Easter Jesus is about writing names in the book of eternal life, the Lamb's book of life. Easter Jesus' book was a book where you were going, not where you were from. Number three, Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus as Christmas Jesus shed drops of tears, but Easter Jesus shed drops of blood. And on Good Friday, we looked at the power of the blood and the fact that the remission of our sins, the washing of our sins comes through the shedding of Jesus' blood. Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus because keepers of the sheep met baby Jesus who on the cross became the keepers of the sheep. The Bible says that Jesus said that I am the good shepherd. Number five and last point on Good Friday was Christmas Jesus was an innocent baby but Easter Jesus gave his innocence to the uninnocent. And so we start this morning with number six. Christmas Jesus only left behind an empty womb. Easter Jesus left behind an empty tomb. But what a womb it was. What an amazing woman Mary was. Let's ponder for a moment about the, the qualities of Christmas Jesus' mother. Mary was highly favoured of God. She was chosen to be the mother of humanity. This tells us that she was a woman of outstanding moral character and spiritual, uh, spiritual fortitude. Mary was submissive to God. She counted the cost. She knew she would possibly lose Joseph. She knew that there was going to be a lot of controversy. 
But she said to the angel, may it be to me as you have said. Mary was a woman of great faith. Part of the, uh, when she went to her cousin, Elizabeth, and, and, and she, she walked in and, and, and the, 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 the babies in the womb jumped. And Elizabeth, the anointing came on Elizabeth and she prophesied. And one of the things she said was that she's, uh, Mary was blessed who has, who has believed. The, 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 the faith that Mary had. Mary was spiritual. She was a devout worshipper. Mary was thoughtful. When the shepherds came, the Bible says that the shepherds came and spoke words and Mary kept those words and pondered them in her heart. Mary was an appropriate role model for women. As a motherly figure, Mary exemplified strength, uh, strength of godliness, strength of maternal instinct, strength of holiness, piety, humbleness. Mary was an amazing woman. But when Jesus was born, when Christmas Jesus came on the scene, he left an empty womb. But Easter Jesus, he left an empty tomb. John 15 and verses 1 to 9 says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and said to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and and they were going to the tomb and they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen cloths lying there Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and they went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief that had been around Christ's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came into the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. As I was thinking about this, the whole idea of the stones being rolled away. I thought back to some of the old worship songs that we used to sing. And if you've been around uh, churches for uh, probably the last, maybe the last 15 or 20 years, I'm going to play an old worship song just because we can, titled The Stones Being Rolled Away. Let's watch the clip. Who remembers that song? That's a blast from the past. For who, who? That's the first time you've ever heard that song. Well, that's an education for you from Christianity 1993, Hillsong. The sto- and there was actions. Remember the, the sto- glory? and uh, Yes, it was. Well, you're really into this, Lena. It's, it's, it's great. But it's a very important doctrine, a very important point, the fact that we serve a risen Savior and the fact that there's an empty tomb. And you know what I love about Cole's and Woolworths, and Daryl Lee, and Red Tulip. No, no, not the chocolate. The fact that they make all these empty tombs. Because every piece of chocolate here is hollow, and it represents the empty tomb. Who would like some empty tombs? Oh, yeah, okay, one for you, Lena. Come and get one. 
Can you take that one to the lady yelling at the back? Which one? Which one? Well, whoever's yelling at the back there. Okay. All right, the little girl there, right there. Hand up. Okay, there we go. But hang on, but for the, for the kids that just left, uh, missed out, we have an, a, a, well, it was a thousand egg Easter egg hunt after church. It's about 937 now, uh, but that should still be enough. There's some problems in the office with uh, uh, mice and ants, and they've taken some of the eggs. I did, I did notice... I did notice that, uh, that the NRL have got on board and are actually selling uh, chocolate footballs, uh, which I thought was pretty good. So I'm going to give this to Talis because I know he loves football. Uh, so there we go, Talis. He was telling me today, this morning, that the Broncos are going to win uh, today playing. But we just laughed together. It's not going to happen. All right, let's go back to Scripture. 1 Corinthians, 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 14 says, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So what's so powerful about an empty tomb? Why does Christianity hang on the fact that we have an empty tomb? Number one, it frees us from our sin. Romans, 5 and verse 6 and, uh, Romans 6 and verses 5 to 7 says, For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, this is talking about in the spirit realm, that we are, that we are baptized into Christ's death. That just as Christ, when Christ was dying on the cross, that in the spirit realm, this is called the doctrine of identification. In the spirit realm, we were identified with Christ's death. So that as he died on the cross, you and I were on the cross dying with him, the Bible talks about. Certainly we also... I'll read the start again. For we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with and that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For if we have died, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So we have died with Christ and now we are risen with him, that we walk in newness of life. So the, the, the empty tomb is all about the, the power we have to live new lives, the power we have now over sin. The sin doesn't have to control us anymore. What's so powerful about an empty tomb is it manifests the justice of God. Hebrews 9 and verse 11 and 14 says, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of his creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, what a great statement, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. Because in the Old Testament, what used to happen to cleanse people from the sin, they would, they would sacrifice an animal. They would, they, they would sacrifice a goat. They would sacrifice a, a, a bull or a ram. And they would pour out the blood over the mercy seat. And the Bible teaches in Hebrews that it had to be done year after year after year because the, 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 the blood of bulls and goats was unable to take away our sin. 
He was unable to forever satisfy the justice needs of God. But then Jesus died. He gave His blood. And when He rose from the dead, He walked into the very uh, throne room of heaven with His blood. And the Bible says that He satisfied once and for all the justice needs of God. That there was only one. Jesus doesn't need to come and die again. We don't need to sacrifice Jesus year after year after year like we did with the blood of bulls and goats because Jesus' blood was all powerful. So the justice need for God of God was satisfied once and for all and that allows us now to come into His presence because we've been made whole, because we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. What's so powerful about an empty tomb? It demonstrates the uniqueness of Christianity. There is no empty tomb in Islam. There is no empty tomb in Buddhism. There is no empty tomb in Baha'i faith. There is no empty tomb in humanism. There is no empty tomb in Jehovah's Witness. It's the empty tomb that distinguishes, that is the distinctive of our faith in the world. What's so powerful about an empty tomb? It sustains our hope. 1 Peter 1 and verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have that hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. Imagine if we got together at Easter and only, separate, uh, only celebrated the death of Jesus Christ. That we somehow uh, uh, marked his, his, his death every year. You know, famous people that die, we mark their, their, their death every year. We mourn their death every year. We, we still talk about the day that Princess Diana died in August of 1987. The fact that I know that it was August of 1987. 97. 97. The fact that I know that kind of just, we, we mark famous people's death. But we don't mark Jesus' death. Sure, we do on Good Friday, but he rose from the dead. There's a hope, there's a hope in, that we, in Christianity that we don't have anywhere else in any other religion. Point number seven, why is Easter Jesus better than Christmas Jesus? Christmas Jesus didn't inspire any major doctrinal points of revelation. Easter Jesus brings us every revelation of the New Testament, of the, of the new creation of the New Testament. In, the, in all of the New Testament, no major doctrinal point is ever made about the virgin birth. Not one. It happened, but it's not discussed. It's only ever just mentioned. In fact, two of the Gospels don't even mention it. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to celebrate Christmas. It happened, but in the economy of God, in the scale of, uh, of things, it, it, it was in consequence. The only consequence of the virgin birth was the fact that it fulfilled some prophecies and it brought Easter Jesus into the planet. But when we look at Easter Jesus, the whole of the New Testament hangs on Easter Jesus. 
and hangs on the fact that we serve a risen Saviour and all the revelation of the new creation realities, all the revelation of, of the spiritual authority, the, the, the authority that we have over devils, the fact that Jesus has given us that authority, the fact that we can pray, the fact that we can believe for miracles, the fact that we can come into God's presence, the fact that we can receive the Holy Spirit, all of that hangs on the fact that Easter Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later. That makes Christmas Jesus, Easter Jesus so much better than Easter Je- Christmas Jesus. Jazzy, where am I at? I'm messed up. I'm just... Yeah, you t- oh, okay, all right, okay, all good. That's... I just need to pay more attention to the screen. Thank you, Jazzy. It's good. My cutest heckler ever. You know, the very first sermon... That was preached in the New Testament. In fact, all the sermons, but I'm going to to just just highlight the the first sermon, the very first sermon that was preached in the book of Acts in the New Testament. It was by a guy called Peter in Acts 2 and verse 22 to 25. And the Holy Spirit had fallen. The the, the early church, the the, the church, there was 120 up in the upper room. The Holy Spirit had fallen. They were were slaying the Spirit. They were speaking in tongues. And then Peter gets up off the floor and he begins to preach. And he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, the prophetic he's talking about there. And the fall that you, uh, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. So even that very first sermon, Peter starts to preach about the power of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And every sermon that we see recorded in the New Testament was about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and then all the, all, all the writings of the book of Rome and the book of Ephesians and the book of Thessalonians and Corinthians, all the writings of the, the revelation that just poured out of the church writers was all about the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose three days later. It's all about that. Nowhere does it really talk about Christmas Jesus. In fact... Nowhere, apart from Matthew and the Gospels, Christmas Jesus is not mentioned. It's all about Easter Jesus. That's why Easter Jesus is better than Christmas Jesus. Let me show you in Romans 6. We've read a little little bit about this already. In fact, I'll skip that. We'll go to 2 Corinthians. Talking about the, 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 the new creation realities. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, which, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What that's talking about is the fact that man and God were separate from each other because sin separates But Easter Jesus came and died and because of the blood of Jesus Christ, there's a reconciliation between man and God and that we are now together. Verse 20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as as though God was pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. How powerful is that? You know, when, when, when God looks at you, 
He doesn't see you in your weakness. He doesn't see you in your frailties. He doesn't see you in your failures. When God looks at you, he sees the power of Jesus Christ, the, the innocence of Jesus Christ. You are washed. You are washed white as snow. Your innocence is restored. How amazing is that? Such is the power of Easter Jesus and his blood. Number eight, why is Easter Jesus better than Christmas Jesus? Christmas Jesus is all about receiving. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. But Easter Jesus is all about giving. Hey, Santa, Santa, Santa. What are you doing? It's Eastmas. <laughs> it's Eastmas. <laughs> what are you giving out? Ca- candy cake. Oh, you know what? These are good that you're giving these out because they represent Jesus. They do. Jay. Uh, listen, I don't think we can have on Resurrection Sunday, I don't think we can have Santa Claus. You look like you've got a black eye. What's wrong with your eye? Uh, it was with the fight with the Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> um, Holy Spirit. Uh, Santa will be fine, boys and girls. It's, uh, it's okay. <laughs> Holy Spirit was very passionate to get rid of Santa, wasn't he? <laughs> okay, so number eight, Christmas Jesus is all about receiving, but Easter Jesus is about giving. Let's, let's have a look at what Jesus gave to us. He gives us access to the Father. Hebrews 10 and verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. See, we were shut out from the presence of God. Only the great high priest once a year could go into the presence of God. But when Jesus died on the cross and shed His blood and rose three days later and we were made righteous, we have access now with boldness to go into the very throne of God. We don't come into the presence of God in some sort of intimidation, in some sort of like we're scared. It's God. The Bible says, number one, we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Bible says we have boldness to come into the very throne throne room of God, that we walk in with boldness. Have you walked into places, have you ever walked into a place where you feel intimidated? Maybe you're meeting somebody that, that's a bit of a, a, a deal, you know, maybe a, a big wig or somebody famous or, and that there's, a, there's a level of intimidation, there's a, there's a level of, of, of angst, there's, there's nerves, there's butterflies, there's all that kind of stuff going on. But the Bible says we don't have that with Father God because of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we walk with boldness into the very throne room of God and that we can meet with God now. Now you have a look, you contrast that to, to the way that the, the high priest would go into the presence once a year through the tabernacle of Moses. He, he would go in with a rope tied around his foot. And the reason the rope was tied around his foot was that if he went into the presence of Jesus, into the presence of God, unworthy, God would strike him dead. And they would, they would have to pull him out because they couldn't go in themselves. So they would pull him out by the rope if he was unworthy. Now you imagine that the fear, the, the intrepidation of the high priest 
hoping that the blood that he has of the, of the ram or the goat is going to be accepted by God. It may cost him his life. You imagine if you were going to meet with someone and you weren't even sure whether you were going to come out alive. I know sometimes that's how we feel. But, but in, in, in the Old Testament times, this was real. And so there's, a, there's an intimidation by the, the great high priest coming into, into God's presence. Now contrast that to with great boldness. We walk in. We have access now with great boldness. That's what Easter Jesus gave to us. Easter Jesus also gave us the precious Holy Spirit. John 14 and verse 15, and I will pray, Jesus talking, I will pray to the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you forever. He sends us the Holy Spirit. He, he, gave us, he gives us, Easter Jesus gives us eternal life. John 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Easter Jesus gives us spiritual authority. In Matthew 28, it says, And Jesus spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples. We have the authority of Jesus on this planet. We have authority over devils. We have forgiveness. What a great thing that is. 1 John 1, 1.9 If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What did Easter Jesus give us? He gave us power. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And I could keep going. I could preach for an hour and I won't. I could preach for an hour on all the things that Easter Jesus has given us through the cross. Christmas Jesus was about the giving of gold, frankincense and myrrh, but Easter Jesus gave us so much. Two more points. Number nine, when Christmas Jesus was born, he was taken to the temple and dedicated as the presence of God was located there in the temple. With Easter Jesus, the veil was torn in two and the presence of God left the temple and now dwells amongst us. In Luke 2 and verse 22, now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses, was completed, they brought, to him, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord and to offer sacrifice according to what he said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. So when Jesus was eight days old, he was just a young baby and they, they, they brought Jesus to the temple because they, they had to present him to God. So they, they, they journeyed from where they were. They journeyed to the temple. They had to go and meet God because God was at the temple. And so they came over to the temple and they, they met the priest there and they sacrificed two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. No, not really. They, they sacrificed two turtle doves because that's where the presence of God was. But contrast that to Easter Jesus. When Easter Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says in Matthew 27 and verse 51, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked and the rock split. So in the temple where the presence of God was physically located, when Jesus died, the veil of the Holy of Holies, where the veil that kept the presence of God in the holy place, the veil was torn in two and God came out from the Holy of Holies and the presence of God now dwells amongst us. 
such that we can worship this morning, we can raise our hands and we can know that the presence of God is here. The Bible says that our, 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 uh, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and that His, His Spirit dwells within us. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to meet Jesus. He can, we can meet Him right here. And in fact, if you have never met Jesus, in just a few moments time, I'm going to give you the opportunity to meet Jesus and His presence is here. I went to Jerusalem in 2015 and I did the, the kind of the Christian tour thing that the Christians do. And you go to a place where they say Jesus was actually crucified. And it's got buildings on it now and all that kind of thing. And there's people there and they're crying and weeping and kissing and doing all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit weird. But then you go down underneath and there's a, there's a uh, you go down like a couple of, about a story. And there's a, 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 a picture, like a, a glass uh, where they've glass up, and, and the, the, the glass, you're looking through the, the glass into just dirt. But the dirt is split. We've actually got a photo. This is the photo I took. And, and the, 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 the earth, this is about, um, oh, it's a, I think it's a story, it might be two stories down. And the earth is, there's a, there's a split of, of the earth down. Now, I don't know where that was, whether, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but that's pretty awesome that that, that that may be the place and that the earth is still split. I reckon that's pretty awesome. But the earth was split and the veil was broken. The veil was open. Number 10, final one. As the music has come back. Christmas Jesus is all about three wise men. And let's not get caught up that there maybe wasn't three and I didn't come to the nativity and all that kind of deal. Just go with me. Christmas Jesus is all about three wise men. But Easter Jesus is about the wise men who follow him. And that's way more than three. And Easter Jesus started with one wise man. The wise man that was hanging on the cross beside Jesus, a robber. And he's hanging on the cross beside Jesus. And there's one robber on the other side and he's, he's yelling out curses and, and, and blasphemies against Jesus and he's joining in with the mocking as the crowd's mocking Jesus. But there's one robber as he's there on the cross and the robber says, Jesus, this day, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And it was that statement that showed Jesus that he believed that he was the son of God. And Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That was number one person saved. And then there was number two. And then there was number three. And on the day of Pentecost, there was 3,000 people got saved on the day of Pentecost. And then just a few days later, in Solomon's porch, there was 5,000 people saved. And, and more people saved and more people saved. And at some point uh, in, the, in the 80s, Peter Pilt put his hand up and he got saved. Thank you, Lena. <laughs> Lena's excited. I was excited. At some point in the 80s, 70s or 80s, I don't know, my sister who's here. Welcome, sister. Bronwyn, Robert. Uh, at some point, I know that Bronwyn got saved. And Melanie got saved. And Lakeisha got saved. And, and, and you got saved. And Chris got saved. And, and Deanne got saved. And, and, and we all got saved. And we are all following the one wise man. So Easter Jesus is about three wise men. Christmas Jesus is about three wise men. Easter Jesus is about many, many wise men and women. And that makes Easter Jesus better than Christmas Jesus.
And as every head's bowed and every eye's closed, I want to give an invitation today for you to join the League of Wise Men. The many thousands, the many hundreds of thousands, dare I say the many millions and hundreds of millions of people that have put their hand up and said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Saviour. I ask Him now to come into my heart. I express faith in Jesus Christ, in Easter Jesus. And I want to give opportunity right now. On on Good Friday, we had some people respond. They put their hand up. We prayed for them. We led them through in the sinner's prayer. Is there anybody here this morning that would say, Peter, would you pray for me? I don't want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour. Is there anybody here this morning? What an amazing day to get saved. What an amazing response on Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, young lady. Uh, Lady, yes, there. Thank you, young lady. Is there anybody else this morning that would raise their hand? Two people right now giving their heart to Christ. Thank you, young lady. Is there anybody else this morning? Thank you, young lady. Great to see our children responding. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. Is there anybody else this morning? They would raise their hand and say, I want to respond to Jesus this morning. I want to be a wise man. I want to be a wise woman this morning. Just one last time. One last ask. If you don't know Jesus, maybe you're a visitor in this place. Maybe you've come to church. Maybe you don't normally go to church. This is not about joining a church. This is about joining a faith movement called Christianity. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young man. Thank you, young lady. I would like everybody to stand, please. And we're going to pray the sinner's prayer today. I want everybody that's raised their hand to pray this prayer after me. And we're all going to pray it. We're not just going to to single out the, the hand raised. I want everybody in this church to pray this prayer. But particularly, if you've raised your hands, make this a prayer of faith this morning. Make this a prayer of invitation this morning. Open up your heart to Jesus this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge the work of the cross that You died for me. That three days later You rose. And today, Jesus, I put my faith in You. And I ask You to come into my life to be my Lord and Saviour, to wash away my sin, to take away my past and to make all things new. And today, Jesus, I commit to following You all the days of my life. Amen. Father, I just pray, Lord, this morning as A great number of people have responded. Father, I ask You, Lord, right now, Lord, that that's a response of faith. And that, God, You would meet them, that they would would know Your presence, Lord, that You have come out from behind the veil. And, God, that as they begin their journey, Father, or, or, or recommit their journey, Father, that You would give them revelation knowledge as they open the Word. And, Father, I pray, Lord, today for the young kids, the children. Lord, some of them seemed very young that responded to put their hand up. Father, that that would be a a, a decision of the heart. God, that they would right then and now, today, commit, Lord, even as a youngster, even as a very young child, God, they would commit to following You. Father, I ask You to bless the children that responded this morning. 
God, may they be passionate, faith-filled disciples of You, Father, all the days of their life. Father, we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Awesome. Let's put our hands together and bless those that have given their hearts to Christ this morning. Now we're going to go into a time of communion because we want to on, on, on Resurrection Sunday, and we do this every Sunday anyway, but on Resurrection Sunday particularly, we want to honour the body of Christ and His blood. And we're going to do things a bit different this morning just because we can, and I just like to mark communion on Easter Sunday and Good Friday, just a bit different. And so we're going to have three tables. We're going to have a table here of grape juice, and bread, we've got a cob loaf bread. So we're not doing, we're not doing normal bread. We've got a cob loaf of bread and, and grape juice here. And we learned on Good Friday that we needed a, a, a third station. So we've got a, a cob loaf and grape juice here. But over here, we have cob loaf and alcoholic wine. Just a little, little sip of wine. So if you would like wine, even if you're on that side of the church, you don't have to have communion here. If you're on that side of the church and you think, you know what, for Easter Sunday, I would like communion with wine, then over here is the wine. But here is grape juice and here is grape juice. And if you're a child, if you're under 18, uh, that's not an option for you, okay? <laughs> this is your station here. And I thought this morning, uh, on Good Friday, it was Melanie and I that we broke the bread and we just said a blessing over each person as we came. We said, bless you as you take communion this morning. And I thought, you know, this morning I would ask Laura, to be part of the, the third table. So it's, it's the Pilt family blessing City Hope Church this morning. And so uh, I would ask you to keep the bread and, and wine until we can take it all together. So come out the front, the, the, the deacons, uh, the, the, the helps team, they're gonna kinda bring a bit more order this morning. So they're gonna help you. Uh, you're gonna do that, aren't you? And you aren't. So, so the, 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 the deacons are gonna, gonna direct people uh, this morning. So take it. Uh, we're going to worship as we do that, and then we'll pray together and we'll take it together. So thanks, worship team. Hope you enjoyed that message. Have a Merry Easter.